Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. So for, for reasons that will become clear later, I'd like to talk about Jerks and Profar and Roughnet Odour turning a triple play last week. Yeah. And it was a, um, well, I mean, it was sort of an impressive one, but it was also really, really bad base running by the, um, it was the Angels, right? Yes. <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. Yeah, it was it was impressively bad base running. I think I mean maybe we can give an excuse. I'm not I'm not sure who was on third, but maybe we can give an excuse to him because Ward. Ward? I don't even know. Who maybe that we can is. give an excuse to him because he might have thought that Profar caught it because he caught it on a really short hop. He thought that Profar had caught it, and then he wasn't cognizant that it, the bases were loaded. Yes. Okay, I agree. That part was bad. And then there's nothing you can do. The guys at second and first. If the runner at third runs badly, there's nothing the two of them can do because they just have to go down their tracks. Oh, right. Well, that that is kind of true. Yeah. But what could have happened, what should have happened, really, is that they should have like realized that it was screwed up, and someone, one of those two guys, should have basically sacrificed himself. Like both of them should have ended up on second. I would argue that the guy on third should just tear off for home, no matter what. Yeah, that's also true. I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna. He's the one who should give himself up to minimize the damage. Because if he tears off for home, yeah. then either you have to throw the ball down to home, or it gives the other guys enough time to get back to their base if he caught it. Yeah. No, that was that was really really poor base running. I read a random blog post the other day about. Okay. It said, "Do you like Python? Do you like R?" Are you big into machine learning? You should be considering this new up-and-coming language that just that just got to version 1.0. And the name of the language is Julia. I had heard of it, but never actually looked at it. Had you heard of it? I had heard of it as well, but I feel like I heard about it a couple of years ago. We're only we're, we just got to 1.0. Yeah, like two days ago. Yes. So this is their not alpha beta. What launch? They've is actually this? released it. I don't, I like. I don't know. It's their real production know, one. Development wise, yeah. They have okay. There's there's a lot to look at here. They're, supposedly, it's just going to be much faster. But the thing that really drew me in is that if you run this in terminal, they have a plotting backend that allows you to just plot in terminal. I'm kind of in. It's like what we assumed was happening in. Um, on Sam Jackson's computer in Jurassic Park. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kind of in on this. There's a good chance that sometime I'm going to be sending you a plot in in Terminal. Julia. <laughs> All right, I, I put this topic in here. Cat 5E, category 5E, Ethernet cable. Did you know, Michael, that new con- 
newly constructed houses and houses like from the last 20 years they don't lay um phone cords they actually lay cat 5e and then just only use for the wires. i did not know that hook it up in the back so if you wanted to if one you know were to find a new house and I don't know, maybe want to have network, local network in their house so you have Ethernet in every room. <laughs> it would be conceivable. This is my kind of adventure. <laughs> <laughs> you know what really sucks? And it's like, it's, it's probably karma. Documentation <laughs> apparently is... <laughs> Not very high in these kinds. So of you things. having fun like running around and plugging into different jacks, seeing what's live. I got a tester okay. thing. I got a I got a um, RJ twelve, RJ forty five, whatever it is, wherever the Ethernet mm-hmm. um, one is. A little thing to like clamp down the caps. <laughs> Did you really? And it came with a tester. Yeah. Oh. This is going to be a project. Yeah, I'll say. It's, it's a labor to love, but a labor of love of fast internet, I guess. One uh, gigabit network coming up. This guy. All right, this week on the pod, we are doing time series analysis, and we let this go a little bit flexible. So we're going to talk first about strategy dealing with time domain data and some of the algorithms that we looked at. And then I'm going to present, and Eric's going to give me some feedback on a model that I tried to fit with time series. And then we're gonna talk a little bit about what we might do going forward. So here we go. The first time, a time series analysis made no sense to me <laughs> at all um, when I was doing the first, whatever, my first stats class. And then we did a little workshop on, on um, it was global warming. Mm-hmm. And it was, we did an example on CO2 and then on, on temperature. So the data set, and, and this was just like the brilliance of the, of the example was the data set was like the last 50 years. And you have every year, if you're talking just temperatures, every day of the year you have, you draw a temperature and you have a temperature, you know, over the course of the year, the global temperature is going to change because there's um, continents, etc. The way that the <laughs> the average temperature across the world is, it's going to change over the course mm-hmm. of the year. As North America is warmer, the whole globe is warmer. Okay, but you see this pattern, and it's just it's like sine wave. You know that's how it looks, and you see it just you have no idea that there's um, you know that there's kind of a general trend. But then what we're able to do with the first time series analysis was able to like straighten that out so you can actually see over time, like, oh my gosh, look at that. Like once we get this, once we're able to get the seasonality out of this this series, we can actually look at the general trend of the data and we're going up, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And I think I I just wanted to start there because... um, I think that the seasonality of a year is a really easy way to say, like, okay, this is what 
time series analysis mm. is based on. There's there's a seasonality of data. There's a there's a periodicity of data, and, and that's what we're trying to do in time series analysis. Is um, is sometimes it's it's um, dealing with that periodicity, and then sometimes it's actually to to try to look at look at data from longitudinally and try to extend it out. I don't know. You think that was a good good way to start this this I mean, conversation? We, off? we are big longitudinal data type of guys. We love longitudinal <laughs> data in a world that does not love longitudinal data. And a lot of this has to, and I like your example a lot because a lot of it has to do with trying to get rid of some of the trends in the data or some of the small scale trends to see the larger scale trends. And that's right. that's sort of one of the exactly. examples that we settled on. I think you, you sort of dance, you sort of touched on these, but there's a few different ways that you can get dates and times and, and do time series analysis. And so this is from, from a description that we that we both read this week that you can have timestamps that refer to a particular mm-hmm. moment in time. So that's your single observation. You can have a time interval or a period, which is the length of like a beginning and ending. So for you, you know, you said you have a 50 year data period. And then, but we know that there's periodicity below that on the yearly scale. And then there's things like time deltas or durations that refer to an exact length of time, which wasn't necessarily present in your example, but, but can be present in, in other types of time series analysis. There's no shortage of ways to try and look at this in Python. (laughs) Oh yeah, exactly. But anyway, we're a little bit off script here because we don't have a specific algorithm to use. But I think from both of our research, it's clear that we needed to develop some sort of framework that allows us to make some shorter timescale predictions. Like we would love to know. There's a number of times that we've said, I would love to be able to predict anything about what's going to happen next week with this player or in the next couple weeks or maybe i mean or on a larger scale next year i'd really love to be able to forecast what i think they're going to get right absolutely i mean we've been talking the last couple of weeks about models that overfit like the dickens (laughs) and now we're at the point where we're dealing with trends in the data set we don't want to have those trends um speak volumes you know and that's Mm. like uh, in a baseball to put this back from climate change and environmental science science etc into like something that people listen to this pod actually care about like if bryce harper hits four home runs in a week that doesn't mean that that's his the new trend line is four home runs a week (laughs) right it's actually uh, in some ways it's more likely that he's not gonna hit (laughs) Four home runs. In yeah, that's really true. And we, we've we've sort of, and that's a point that we've touched on repeatedly when we've talked about uh, growth curves, growth charts. Yep. Yeah, and that's why we, we like the growth tur- curves. And that was why growth curves were kind of nice because we were able to, like, dance around this time series stuff. I think, yeah, right. <laughs> I think now I'm thinking about the growth curves in light of some of the work that I did and thinking about how, oh, it was really, on some level, it's a smoothing tool. <laughs> To display mm-hmm. these yeah. all because then because you can get a sense of what the underlying trend is well i mean that's what we talked about was the data reduction mm-hmm. uh technique and this is really to actually do time series analysis you are you want to do more analysis than just dimensional reduction <laughs> a wizardry 
So let me talk about an application here. You ready? All right. I like this. This is, I, I will say, this is something that I've been attempting to needle you about, but the needling has backfired yet because I, it hasn't actually worked. What's called the time warp twist, by the way, the, the model. <laughs> Largely for no other reason than I want to annoy you, I've been keeping track of the ownership uh-huh. of Jurex and Profar and Max Muncie and trying to figure out who's having the better season, at least in the Vox Populi sense. <laughs> yep. I own Jerks and Profar, Eric owns Max Muncie. We both got on these trains pretty early. We've been watching their stocks rise over the season. I've been hoping that Profar would overtake Muncie in ownership at some point. It is yet to happen, so I thought I'm going to get a model <laughs> to tell me when it's going to happen. Okay, yeah. This is, a, this is fun, though. It's a fixed problem because I, at the end of this, I will give you a date, and we can check and see if it is true or not. All right, I like it. We rarely give ourselves, like, short timescale testable predictions. <laughs> never. We never do. No, I don't know. Maybe we wouldn't last too long if we did. All right. Uh, my thought process about why why this idea works when naively the idea that the ownership should be contingent on their actual performance at the time and not uh, not sort of historical trends. But I think that owners instinctively know that players have streaks and the, the memory that players have or the memory that fantasy baseball owners have for the skill of players is has mm-hmm. some duration and in many cases is stuck back when you began following baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Jerks and Profar and Max Muncy make an interesting case study because people don't have any memory of them. So we're seeing we're seeing owners build up their memory on the fly. Right. Though people did think Jerks and Profar was a can't miss prospect. Like five years ago six no, years that, ago that is actually true and and so I was, as i was thinking about putting this together i thought about how the comparison of the two is really a little bit unfair because max muncie came out of nowhere yeah I mean, absolutely nowhere no one no one saw him coming he was on nobody's radar never been owned in our very deep very prospect heavy fantasy league league yeah i don't even know how old he is and i've owned him and jerickson profar has been owned for years off and on yeah <laughs> so i don't know if you've looked at their actual ownership charts but they both have plenty of dips and wiggles mm-hmm. where people sort of change their mind and come back to them but they seem to have some yep. sort of underlying trend and so i was kind of trying to take the long view on this and figure out if you could find some sort of underlying trend that might be telling you about what their actual native ownership might be this year this year all right, so again, this is something we can test in the next two weeks. I'm going to tell you more about how I did this, but first I want to give you the number. It's going to happen by September 1st. Jerks and Profar is overtaking Max Muncy. Okay, that's the over-under, so I'm going to take the over? The over meaning later? <laughs> yeah. See, that's, that's, that's sort of a nice one because you have, you have in perpetuity. <laughs> like, like, ah, it won't happen. Again, this algorithm didn't make the cut, but that doesn't stop me from continuing to try to talk about it. Here's an outtake. Monte Carlo the shit out of that. Since you rejected my proposal to just do Monte Carlo for five weeks in a row. (laughs) 
Monte Carlo, Monte Carlo. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would put Monte yeah. Carlo in front of every algorithm that we've done so far. And then just like a trip <laughs> live in Monte Carlo. <laughs> Fantasy Tools Podcast. Okay, that's a good one. They must have a five euro table. The blackjack. We don't stand a chance. <laughs> All right. So do you want to hear about how I actually did this? Let's, let's hear a little bit more because this is what we're all about in Algorithm Club. How I actually did this is I, uh, I discovered that Facebook makes their time predicting algorithms publicly available. Ooh. They have their own thing, which in, you know, because they do everything understated, they call it profit. Yeah. What? That's the it? name of, yes. Oh, the link good. is, I put the link in here. It's called profit. Nice. Oh, prof. Oh, I thought that was with an F. No. <laughs> I'm disappointed. There's a bunch of things in here, and it is set up to just straight up. It's a super easy Python interface, and they have an they have an R interface also that takes a a time series and forecasts what it's going to do going forward, which is mm. exactly what I wanted for this purpose. And I will say it took me all of five minutes to get this up and running. Nice. Oh, that's always, everybody loves This to is that. an amazing tool. So if you are interested in doing something like time series analysis, this is a great way to do it. And you have a robust data set. <laughs> you can tell they're out here to monetize it because one of their examples is how to pull out holiday effects. <laughs> Ooh. Hmm. I wonder what, what you can use with that. Like they're clearly trying to give advertisers a leg up for like, oh, do you want to look at your at your Facebook data like this? Yeah. But it gives me some really interesting tools and, and gives and was sort of a if you look at the documentation is sort of a one stop shop to explain how to fit lower level trend lines and the types of things that you can expect. And so I use this with our ownership data that we've been collecting this season to try and, and make some predictions. And it does, it has multiple modes that you can do. So it's base mode just does, um, just tests out linear extrapolations. So it, it tries to look at, it tries to treat the data as a piecewise function that it just fits with a bunch of lines and it looks for things that it thinks could qualify as breaks, which they call change points. And we can see actually, if you look at the Max Muncy or Jerkson Profar, that the model identifies several of these change points where you can see that the slope clearly changes. And a lot of these, when I looked back through the data, are correlated with real events. Like we were talking about this a few weeks ago and you were saying, yeah, Max Muncy has been in this long, like this slightly longer slump. And mm -hmm. you can see it in the data, there's actually a rollover where it happens. The most obvious ones, of yeah, course. It, the ownership. The most yeah. obvious ones, of course, are when they both actually started getting real playing time. <laughs> so Max Muncy and Jerickson Profile, they both just skyrocket over a very short period of time. And this model is really good at, um, at showing you where that happens. Now, the next thing that I did is you can take it to logistic regression, which is something that we talked about a little bit. And this does sort of a um, sort of a machine learning type application under the hood where it tries to move beyond just linear regression and fit um, more quadratic order and make sort of predictions about what the excursions that you that you expect over time. And so it, it's just a more, it's a slightly more advanced model. The advantage for me was that I didn't have to know anything more advanced because this is seriously 
a great algorithm. <laughs> it's all I, I love that it's all there for you. This, this is pretty good. They have they explain to you how you can set limits. So with ownership, it's very easy. Like it can't go below zero and it can't go above hundred. If you remember my early machine learning experiences with TensorFlow, where I was predicting that guys would get negative wins. <laughs> Negative wins, negative home runs. <laughs> something yeah. like this, something where there's a formalism built in to do that would be really good. And you can do things like build in uncertainty intervals, and they have some of the traditional um, outlier rejection things built in, something that we already talked about. Uh, that would have, this saved me, I don't even know how much time this saved me over what I would have had to do on my own. Oh, God. Thank God for corporations, <laughs> right? Well, I was confused for a minute because I didn't know. Then it was from Facebook. I was like, whoa, look at this tool, Profit. Like, this is really interesting. And then you have to import it as FB Profit. <laughs> no, wow. That makes total I know, sense. Like, FB, what could that possibly be? Oh. So I found this tool to be really exciting. And I think that there's, I can envision a lot of applications for it going forward. And it not only does things on the single day timescales, but you can, you can break it into smaller timescales as well. And you don't have to touch date utils. That's that's <laughs> good. I love it's that. It's all about that. One thing that I'd hoped to get going that I didn't quite get going was looking at um, the effect of in-game times. So one thing that I've wanted to do really badly with time series is try and analyze whether a long inning, I, I have this question in my head, whether a long inning adversely affects the pitcher when they come back out. Like it's sort of a colloquial thing. Like if mm -hmm. your team does really well, maybe your arm cools off a little bit. People have explained this repeatedly. I would love to know if the signal's actually there in the periodic data. So the idea would be make these time series, look at the places where there are large gaps, and then check the performance after. And I think we can do something like this with time series, but it turns out that it's difficult to <laughs> it's difficult to get past step zero, which is collecting the data. Right, collecting the data is huge. Have you need to have the data set to be able to do this kind of stuff? Yeah, I have been wondering about that too for a long time. I mean, we know that it does affect for rain, and yes. that's why they oftentimes don't come back out. Yeah, to see whether, but I mean, the Red Sox pitcher, like the Red Sox pitchers, aren't getting hurt by. It. Then you have the Colorado pitchers. Yeah, I mean, this is. I, I imagine there are. <laughs> the reason that I didn't fully throw myself into that problem is because I could imagine a million different rabbit holes <laughs> to go down on this. And I think your your hypothesis here about does it affect Red Sox players because the pace of the game is notoriously slow is a good testing ground for that. That would be a really good one. But then we have to like then we have to try to like clean up the data. I know man, it's all over the place. Yeah, it's, it's you know that the real big thing that I really want to know and fight is that um, the hot player, like it is a hot player, more likely to remain a hot player hmm. than a cold player to switch to being a hot player. That's an awesome time series question. The way that I would attack that problem is this exact thing that I did, except you would use sort of some of it as a training set. So you would. You would take a growth chart mm -hmm. and you'd artificially cut it off at some point, have a model predict how it's going to do, and look at how it actually did. And then do that for everybody. Everybody at different time steps, yeah. 
All right, you about ready to wrap this sucker up? I am, and you know, congratulations are in order, bud. You are officially in the money. You won your playoff yeah. matchup last week. Home league alert here, guys. Yeah, we um, we are both in the semifinals. That's right. Trying to prove that we know what we're talking about. I I have resolved to not compulsively watch my team during an evening. <sighs> I know. Your team players or your team like just like no i would cast. love to watch my team players but i just will sit here and stare at the live cast <laughs> i know you just find yourself wasting so much time watching live casts it's like I'm, I'm i can't do anything for this but i i <laughs> will say i spent some time over the weekend watching a couple of my players and i I was watching Matt Boyd pitch an amazing game against your twins. And then a twins former player, aka manager, destroys that night. What was Gardner doing? Like leaving Matt Boyd in. But I guess I I guess I don't really want to talk about that too much. <laughs> Matt Boyd's your secret weapon. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have never questioned manager choices as much as I have when in the fantasy baseball playoffs. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, ooh. Alright, I can only deal with this much of a blow-up. Is, is Gardner Hire the kind of person who's going to take a player out at the right time? No. That's, that's an underrated thing that we have yet to fold into any of our fantasy models, but we, we might need to. We need to get the manager model in there. I think that about brings us to the review session. Pirates of the Caribbean. Curse of the Black Pearl. It's, I mean, it is the only one that we should acknowledge. This is... I mean this in more seriousness than the Indiana Jones thing. (laughs) How many many were made? One came out last year. I think five. Yeah. Is it five? Wow. Holy... This movie's 2003, but seriously... If this movie wasn't better than you remembered it being, I don't know what we're going to talk about. It was fun. It was fine. It was a good time of the year to watch it. It was summer popcorn flick. This movie made billions of dollars. Oh, it made a lot of money. At a time when the logic was that pirate movies always lose money. It just didn't happen. That did not happen here. It it did not. It, it, uh, It was wildly successful i don't even know why well i mean i do know why because they got every single fantasy cast off yes yes Yes, you are absolutely right my favorite thing to come of this was that i could tell you were starting the movie because you're like it is black pearl right and then like two minutes in you're like he's legolas (laughs) yeah i mean he is he's he's legolas i'm sorry and i'm sorry it's definitely carver i mean it's not the high sparrow okay but the scene where he gets his wig taken off he's the high sparrow Uh, sort of but i mean he's also sort of elliot carver he's elliot carver so much in this movie i mean he he acts so much like elliot carver (laughs) (laughs) like like i i feel like you could do a mashup where you swapped their lines and some of it would work (laughs) You could. That would be a pretty good one. That would be a really good one. And you have, what else do you have? You have a Star Wars connection in Padme's uh, Handmaiden. 
Um, I don't know who. I don't think Jeffrey Rush ever did anything. He's not. He's not a real fantasy stalwart, but fantasy stalwarts, and I have to come clean on the Hans Zimmer. He had had a long and illustrious <laughs> career before this as well, but man, is this where he just thundered into my consciousness? This soundtrack is the one that comes up on like Pandora, <laughs> Spotify, etc. Like more often, I'm like, huh, what is this from? <laughs> oh. It's it's a good it's from, soundtrack. I think from Pirates. I think I had to cool off on it for several years, and now I'm I'm ready to get back into it. You're back. I kept on thinking, like I was watching, and then there'd be like music playing, and be like, "Oh, this is <laughs> the scene, really?" Like the one where they um they get the rowboat and then go yes. under the ship yes. underwater. Yes, that's exactly right. He steps in the lobster trap. Great trip. music. Does, is Elliot Carver British? He's British, yeah. He's got such a weird accent. He's got a unique... <laughs> His accent is worse as Elliot Carver, for sure. Oh, yeah. It's just like a, it's like, okay. it's like if you had a really... Like somebody you told somebody to do a Christopher Walken impression, and it was bad. <laughs> so, yeah. And British. Yes, yeah. Do Allegedly. British Christopher Walken, and you end up with him. You ready for next week's movie? I'm assuming that I'm going to get punished for picking pirates, but go for it. No, you know, I was thinking, stay in that decade. Uh Uh-oh. I think we're going to watch a 2006 classic, Casino Royale. You ready for it? I am so up for it. (laughs) Another great soundtrack. Oh, man. Okay. All right. You know my name. All right. I think that about wraps it up. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too.